Let's pray together this morning. Let's just ask for the Lord's help here as we continue to worship in the Word. Lord, we are, I just want to come before you and just say, we're just so glad that we can, um, we can approach you because of Jesus. We said we can boldly approach the throne of grace, and, and that's all because of Jesus. He's brought us to God, it says. Uh, when we put our faith in Jesus and we come into relationship with you, God, through Jesus, he brings us to you because otherwise we're separated from you. And so, God, we just want to praise you this morning that we've been brought near. If we know you. And so, Lord, we, um, we want to hear from you today through your word. We pray, God, that you would help us to have ears to hear and help us also, God, just to see where these uh, the, the truth applies in our life today, where it might specifically um, touch us uh, today with where we're at. And Father, we just also want to lift up this past week to you. Maybe it's been a rough week. Maybe it's been a, a real challenge to see uh, trials people are going through. And so, God, we just want to lift those up to you and say, help us, God. Um, be near to us. Um, Lord, help us to to um, to trust you with what's going on. And even think about that, the, the, the song that we were singing, Yes, I Will. And it's just kind of a decision to trust you. And so, Lord, we want to trust you with the circumstances, knowing that none of the circumstances in our lives are by accident, that you are working in and through them, regardless of how they come, Lord. And so uh, we want you to be glorified in our lives today. We want you to be lifted up and everything, Lord, that's going on in our minds and in our hearts uh, and in our actions, Lord, we want to glorify you. And Lord, we also just want to pray for anybody in our midst that needs your healing touch, Lord, who's physically um, ailing right now, who's uh, fighting disease or sickness, God. We just pray, Lord, for your, for your uh, strength to their bodies. We pray for healing from viruses or whatever they might have, Lord, we... Um, Whatever disease, God, we just pray that we commit them to you and pray for your healing touch. And also just pray, God, that you would be near them in a special way as they walk through these things. And help us, God, to be in tune with how you might want us to um, be your hands and feet to one another in these times, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're continuing in our journey through the Gospel of Luke, and we're in chapter 12 today. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 to 12. So if you're able, as our, is our habit, we stand uh, in, uh, out of honor for the Word of God. If you're not, that's fine. Just in your heart, honor it as the Word of God. And so uh, we're gonna read, I'm going to read uh, the first 12 verses here. It says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together, that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you uh, whom to fear. Fear him who has, he has killed and has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
and not five spare are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God why even the hairs of your head are all numbered fear not you are of more value than many sparrows and i tell you everyone who acknowledges me before men the son of man also will acknowledge him before the angels of god but the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of god and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. So this morning we're talking about how to guard against hypocrisy. Last week we kind of focused in on Jesus' judgment, basically, upon the Pharisees and the scribes for their uh, hypocritical lives. And now he has, uh, as we introduced to to this particular scene, it says there were many thousands of people following Jesus that were present there, and then Jesus is addressing his disciples now about this talk this topic of hypocrisy and how to guard their lives against it. And so um, uh, one of the first things that we uh, basically to see that is just a general call to live a life of integrity, not hypocrisy, right? You think about the, in a sense, the opposite of uh, integrity or uh, integrity would be hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy means to pretend, really. You're pretending, you're putting on an external show What's, what's really happening in your heart is different, okay? Um, right, so you, you're not a hypocrite if you struggle to live the Christian life, by the way. Some people mistakenly think that. Um, it, it's, just, it's just if you pretend that you're not struggling, okay? That's, that's being a hypocrite, basically. Um, and so uh, this is, uh, I, I read something about, back in 2005, there was a company, a British company, that developed... Spray-on mud. Spray-on mud. Um, has anybody heard of this? Uh, the company's gone belly up because I can't go to the website now. I can tell you that. It's no wonder that they went belly up. But they made spray-on mud. They did it, they said, so that city dwellers can give their expensive 4 by 4 vehicles the appearance of having been off-road for a day of hunting or fishing without ever leaving town. The mud, listen to this, the mud even filtered out to remove stones and debris so that they might not scratch the paint, which sounds like a good idea. Um, but, but, you know, so they wanted other people to think that they took that expensive 4x4 off-road and had a great time. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, as you think about hypocrisy, you know, because it's all about the external, it, um, it, it's basically trying to impress other people or want people to think a certain thing about you. And I'm just thinking that is the ultimate, you know, when it comes to vehicles, you know, you're trying to fake that you went off-road. It's just ridiculous, right? Now, I, I think it's, it's no wonder that Jesus is kind of warning his disciples about this because um, think about this. How, how does it open up the passage? Thousands of people, they're, they're starting to get quite a following. Uh, thousands of people following them. And so I think uh, 
what Jesus is, is trying to warn his disciples about is that, you know, there could be a tendency when you start having a following like that to try to let what other people think kind of dictate how you act. Or maybe the other way, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes who were always criticizing Jesus, they might, maybe the disciples might start to kind of like hedge or compromise a little bit so they won't tick them off. So, uh, but either way, uh, Jesus is uh, seen fit that this is a good time to talk about this uh, with his disciples, okay? Um, now, uh, so, now it does mention, it says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, um, right, so what's, what's the issue with leaven, right? Does anybody here uh, like to bake if you do, I'm going to give me your give me your phone number. We'll we'll see what, if we can place an order. Now, uh, I love baked goods. Now, Linda and I, uh, we she settled in on a, a homemade gluten free uh, pizza recipe, and so on Friday, uh, rather than go out, you know, and stuff, which is because Friday is kind of like our date night. So we we made this homemade pizza. So I have one job in the pizza making, and it's not just eating. I know what you're thinking. You think it's just, just eating. No, I have one job in the pizza-making process, and uh, what would you call that, Linda? Blooming the yeast? Okay, is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the thing is, I'm so scared I'm going to blow the blooming. I have Linda get the, temp- the right temperature water, right? Because you have to have to be, it says, you know, but it can't be too hot, because I, I think you can you kill, can you kill it? Okay, see, I knew nothing about this. I, I do what she tells me, okay, which is a good policy, actually. Um, I'm sure it'll be one of Paul Tripp's points, okay? But, but anyway, so, but, but, you know, that's kind of critical because you, you mix that up and that goes in with the flours and stuff. We use a flour mix for gluten-free stuff. And, and so that it has to, so that when you cook it, it's going to rise a little bit, right? And you'll just get a flat piece of bread. Um, but he's saying, you know, in the Bible, though, when you talk about um, leaven, it's not a good thing. It's usually talking about sin, right? And so... Um, and, and that's the thing. He's saying the, the leaven of the Pharisees, and, and it spreads. I think that's the idea. He's like, you know, uh, this, and as I think about this, you know, if you, if, if you create an environment where people are not um, seemingly permitted to be honest about what's going on in their lives, you can create a hypocritical environment. Right? It, it spreads. Uh, so if, if it doesn't feel like a safe place where you can be honest about what's going on uh, in, you know, in, your, in your pursuit of the Lord and wanting to do what he wants, but being honest, uh, you know, that, that can happen. You can create this like, oh, you know, I got to come off as like ultra spiritual even though my life and my marriage is falling apart and nobody knows it, right? That would be terrible. That would be terrible if that were happening. And so, but we have to guard against this. And then Jesus is, warns his disciples, right? And he really says in verses 2 and 3, kind of lays out, you know, this hypocrisy thing is really stupid anyway. Well, he didn't use those words, but, but he's saying it's silly because, look what he says in verses 2 and 3, if you're with me there in uh, Luke 12. He says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. 
yeehaw, that kind of lights me up. Because you're thinking about, you know, he's just saying, you know, there's going to be a day uh, where all will be, be revealed, right? And uh, nothing is hidden, right? And so he's saying, why not just be honest and open now? And be a person of integrity now, because on that day, uh, it will be made known. Uh, let me just uh, share with you a couple of verses that relate to this, that talk about the judgment and, and how it relates to this idea that you can't hide anything forever, okay? Um, so in uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 16, let me share, I don't have it up on the screen, but I'll read it to you, Romans 2, 16. I'll start in verse 15. It says, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, meaning on the day of judgment, on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. The secrets of men. Be no secrets on that day. No secrets. They'll all be revealed. And, And in a similar way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose, disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So he's saying there... Um, He's, so he's encouraged people not to, to judge one another's motives at this point. He's saying uh, that will be revealed in the future, right? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with challenging motives if we know one another that well, but sometimes you just don't know what somebody's motives are, right? We can presume things. And so Paul is saying um, in that situation not to do that, but he's like their motives will be made known. Right? So there is a... Um, uh, there's, in a sense, motivation here to live a life of integrity because the Lord's going to let our hearts be known one day, and He'll let the things that we have whispered in our quiet rooms when we thought no one else around, it will be known. So, uh, so he's, he's just saying, you know, um, living this hypocritical life doesn't really make sense anyway. Um, so it's really futile because the truth will be made known. Okay, now, um, Jesus goes on to say then, here in verses 4 to 7, he, he really kind of gives, um, uh, you know, what, what should be happening. He kind of also, also kind of exposes what's behind hypocrisy, what's behind hypocrisy. And I'll just remind you here, he says, I tell you, my friends, this is verse 4, do not fear those who kill the body, right, after they have nothing more than they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Well, what's, what's going on here? Um, Jesus is bringing to light what's behind the motive to not live a life of integrity. The fear of man. The fear of man. We, 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 we care too much sometimes about what other, people's, what other people think. And so... Then, then that starts to form how we portray ourselves because 
you know, I want person X to love me or like me because I know they value this, that, and the other, and I want to be seen as someone who is, is in their good favor. We, he's saying, listen, um, you need to care about who you fear. And he's like, don't, care, don't fear man, even though he may kill the body. And, and you'll see why he might even be bringing up killing the body here in a minute, because he's going to talk about um, uh, to be on the alert because um, they're going to be persecuted eventually, right? But he's saying, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. Be afraid of those, the one who can actually send you to hell. He's saying, you need to fear God. You need to be, uh, have a fear of the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Um, I think that we don't understand always, what does he mean? What does it mean to fear God? Um, and I, I want to read just um, a little excerpt um, from an article that Chuck Swindoll wrote for the Dallas uh, Theological Seminary. Just an article on the fear of the Lord. Just some little couple paragraphs. Um, I'm not reading it in its entirety, but you'll get the gist of it. Because he talks about the fear of the Lord. And I think this is really important for us to understand this. It's, it's misunderstood. So he starts off quoting one of the Bible verses of Proverbs 9.10, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and uh, knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it's like you want to get wisdom, he's like, you've got you to get the fear of the Lord. Okay? So he says, he says, so to get wisdom, we need to fear the Lord. Yet when we talk about, quote, the fear of the Lord, we go to, we risk two extremes. He says there's two extremes when we talk about the fear of the Lord. The first one is to water down fear until it means only respect. He says one extreme that we should avoid is to, to, to kind of water down this idea of fear of the Lord so it only means respect God. Okay? And then he says at the other end of the spectrum to be avoided is to envision an outraged God looking to wind up and zap you at every turn. Because okay, that's not what God's like either, you know, that we're just kind of cowering, waiting for the other shoe to drop when it comes to God. He's saying those are two extremes to be avoided. Um, and then it goes on, it says, um, in Pharaoh's day, well, he quotes Exodus twenty twenty. Here's Exodus twenty twenty. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that, now listen to this, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. I don't remember reading that verse before. I mean, but I'm sure I have, but it just struck me here. The fear of God will keep you from sinning. Now it says, in Pharaoh's day, fear, the fear of the Lord kept the midwives from killing the Hebrew babies. Remember that? Even though it meant endangering the women's own lives to do so. The Virgin Mary said that through her God, would show his mercy to generations of people who fear him. Luke, in his gospel, recorded that Jesus' miracles brought fear to people. And later he wrote that the church was, quote, strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. That's Acts 9.31. So apparently, you can have the fear of the Lord can coexist with encouragement, okay? And that's, that's what he's pointing out. He's like, apparently the fear of the Lord can, can coexist with being encouraged by God. 
And so uh, it says, we tend to think of fear as a bad thing, yet fear of grizzlies prevents tourists from hand-feeding bears in Yellowstone Park, although we still see videos of stupid humans doing things, particularly with bison and buffalo, right? Okay, um, I just, it never, it never ceases to amaze me. Okay, fear of a heart attack has motivated many of us to drag ourselves out of bed and head for the gym, he says. Yeah, uh, in such cases, such cases, fear is a lifesaver, right? So we tend to think fear is bad, and he's saying, no, it's not. Okay, just to end this, here's the last thing he says in this. I'm skipping over some things. But he says, add to respect a good amount of awe and trembling in the face of God's mighty power and we're closer to what the biblical writers had in mind. Fear of God means we have enough of such awe and trembling that it changes what we do for the better. The one who makes volcanoes spew liquid flames and waves crash cares about what we do and think. So when he talks, we'd best listen. And I think that's a good word about the fear of the Lord, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not relegated to just respect. It's not relegated to, like, you're cowering in the corner, okay? But it's having a proper awe of God, right? Knowing who he is in his proper place in our lives. And I like how he ends it. We best, we best listen when he talks, right? That's good. That's a good word. So, um, so verses 4 and 5 there are talking about that fear of the Lord, right? We need to um, not fear man. We need to fear God more than man, right? Um, now, there it says, in verses 6 and 7, it says, it's, this is kind of an interesting couple verses, because right on the heels of this, you know, fear of the Lord stuff, he says in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. You know, I've got a few less than I had the number, but are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. So he, what is he saying? He's talking about God's watchful care, right? So particularly when you think about uh, uh, the disciples and then other followers subsequent to Jesus being here, ourselves included, when we encounter persecution, right, you, and you, you're going to be tested in the fear of man versus the fear of God, right? What do you need to know? God's not forgotten you. God's caring for you. Part of the fear of the Lord is knowing that you can trust him. And I trust that he's, got, he's, he's taking care of me. Right? I trust that he's taking care of me. That, that is part of the fear of the Lord, is just knowing that he promises to care for me. So if we're properly fearing him, we will trust him. And that's what he's saying. You know, hey, if God is aware of a sparrow that falls somewhere, how much more we, are we who are made in the image of God, his special creation? more valuable to him than that, right? He's going to take care of you, right? So, so he's fear God, not humans, right? So then we move on to uh, the next portion in this uh, section here where he's saying basically the idea is to do not fear men, but boldly confess Jesus Christ. Do not fear men, but boldly confess Jesus Christ. I mean, remind you what he says in verses 8 and 9. He says, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me, or some versions say confesses me, 
before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge uh, before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And I think this is a, this is a warning here, right? It says, uh, this really is, is not just, this is not talking about um, a lapse of nerve like Peter experienced where he denied the Lord three times, right? Because he, he repented of that and the Lord received him there and cooked him breakfast on the beach. They had fish, you know? I mean, that's what happened. And so it, it can't be talking about that. It has to be an all-out rejection, okay? Here, um, let me re- read you what one commentator says. This describes a soul-damning denial of Christ, not the sort of temporary wavering Peter was guilty of, but the sin of those who, through fear, shame, and neglect, delay, or love of the world, reject all evidence and revelation and decline to confess Christ as Savior and King until it's too late. Okay, so, but Jesus said, if you, if you confess me before men, if you, uh, you know, I, I think it's one of the reasons we do this, you know, we have a baptism coming. That's one of the reasons we do this when, um, at baptism, we have people kind of, you know, share just a little bit of their story, and they're making a public confession of their faith, if you will, right? A public proclamation of their faith. And so, um, it's just, uh, you know, but here he's saying, listen, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the angels, meaning at the judgment, okay? Um, and then he goes on in verse um, 10. He says, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And this is one of those where I read it and I'm like, mm. you know, I'm like, what does that mean? Um, what does that mean? And um, so um, there's a lot of discussion that goes on about this, okay? Um, let me just share with you um, a couple of findings about why he might say, um, you know, if you uh, say a word against the Son of Man, you'll be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, okay? Uh, and, and that that latter part, you know, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that's the one of people says, you know, you know, what's the unforgivable sin? That's, that's this topic right here, that second part of that verse 10, okay? All right, so um, let me read you what John MacArthur says on this. Someone never exposed to Christ's divine power and presence might reject him in ignorance and be forgiven, assuming that the unbelief gives way to genuine repentance. And he uses an example. Um, He says, even a Pharisee such as Saul of Tarsus could be forgiven by speaking against the Son of Man and persecuting his followers. Remember, isn't that what Paul did before he got saved? Right? He, He spoke against Jesus. Well, then he was eventually forgiven because he repented. Right, and turn to the Lord. So you could see how uh, that first phrase might work itself out. Everyone who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven, and that's presuming that they repent, okay? um, because nobody's forgiven uh, of anything until they repent and turn to the Lord. Okay, <laughs> right? okay now, um, now it says uh, here, let me read this to you about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
okay, which is the second part of the verse. So, um, so this is from um, a, a, a commentary on Luke by Daryl Bach. And here's what he says. He says, the, the blasphemy of the Spirit might be regarded as a byproduct of rejecting the Son of Man. The difference between blaspheming the Son of Man and blaspheming uh, the Spirit is that the blasphemy of the Son of Man is an instant rejection. Like, you know, Paul, uh, in, in those moments, until he um, received Christ, he rejected Christ, right? He says, uh, so the difference between blaspheming the Son of Man and blaspheming the Spirit is that the blasphemy of the Son of Man is an instant rejection, while blasphemy of the Spirit is a permanent decision of rejection. Now, also, and I, I, I also tend to be in this camp, too. I, I don't agree, disagree with anything you said, but I also think that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is also attributing the works of Jesus to Satan. Uh, we've seen that in, um, you, you read the other gospel accounts, and you'll see there's a more of a direct tie between this statement here in Luke. And, and uh, we already read in Luke where um, the Pharisees, oh, he's casting out demons by the power of the devil. Remember that? That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. They're attributing to Jesus the work of the devil, which obviously is also a rejection of Jesus, right? And that's why I, I agree with Daryl Balk here when he says the blasphemy of the Spirit might be regarded as a byproduct of the rejecting of Jesus. But it's a permanent thing, right? It's a permanent rejection. So obviously, if you're, never, if you're not going to receive Jesus, you've totally reject him decisively and forever, then you can't be forgiven of that, right? Because the only way to be forgiven is to put your faith in Jesus and to repent of that rejection of him. Does that make sense? So the wording is a little kludgy. It's a little hard for us to get our head around, but I think that makes sense, um, what I've mentioned here. Um, now, so Jesus is, is, is encouraging, and I think he's, you know, he's really preparing too. He's preparing his disciples for what is to come, Right? Uh, the opposition and the persecution that they're going to see after his um, death and resurrection. And we know they, they see a lot of it, right? Um, so, um, at any rate, uh, where we have, we should not fear men, but boldly confess Jesus Christ. Now, the last thing I want to mention here. Um, in verses 11 and 12. Um, it, it's just that the Lord, well, let me, I'll just read it for you, because it, it kind of fits, it fits right in with uh, the whole idea of seeing that he's, he's tying these state sayings in and preparing them for the persecution, okay, that's going to come. And so in verse 11, it says, and when they bring you, this is interesting, and when they bring you, before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Well, so, you know, we have the benefit of, you know, this, um, Luke is recording something that happened at a certain point in time, right? We have the benefit of also the sequel to Luke, which is the book of Acts, right? And we see them dragged before um, the religious leaders, right? And so what Jesus is telling them is that, you know, um, you may be brought before some people to give an account for your association with Jesus. And um, he's saying, don't worry about what to say at that time. 
my Holy Spirit will help you. He'll help you know what to say. He'll help you know what to do. And I would say that would be a great comfort, right? Um, now, he, it doesn't mean that you're, you know, we, we know this for sure. I mean, there are plenty of martyrs uh, still today, right? Pe- people that are being killed for their faith in Jesus and, and uh, a whole, whole trail of blood uh, over the many years. And so um, it just means that the Lord said, I'm going to help you know what to say. But you know what I, I really can't stand is when people use this verse to explain laziness. I don't know if you've ever heard that. I, I've heard people, uh, whether they were going to preach, so pastors, and, or whether they were going to teach a class, they're like, you know what, I really don't have to prepare. The Lord will give me the words to say. I'm serious. You heard that. I've heard that before. Uh, it's, that's an excuse for not studying. That's an excuse for not preparing that's in it. That, it it's, but I've heard it come off as ultra spiritual. In other words, hey, you know, I got the Spirit of God in me. He's going to tell me what to say. Like, listen, um, I, I think there are a number of exhortations in the Scriptures that I can remember given to Timothy to, to study the Word, to be an approved workman in the Word, you know. So, but I'm telling you, you know, this is, and when, when somebody uses that verse that way, it's totally out of context. This is about persecution. Okay, and I would imagine if I'm sitting in a cell somewhere, having to come before a, some sort of a court to give an account for my association with Jesus, I'm going to be thinking about what I'm going to say. It's okay to try to formulate your thoughts and pray and you know whatever else you're going to do. Um, but he's saying the Lord's going to be with you in a special way. His my Holy Spirit's going to help you. Don't we see, in, in, in a certain way, we see the Holy Spirit's special presence uh, with individuals um, that are undergoing persecution? You see it in the stoning of Stephen, right? Um, I'm sure the stones hurt. I can't imagine it. Cannot imagine it, right? But he saw a vision of the Lord in that moment. Right? And I, I'm just um, assuming he experienced the grace of God in a special way because of what he was going through. And so uh, these, are, these are words of encouragement for us and, well, and for them and for us as believers or followers of Jesus to, listen, stand firm. Don't be afraid to confess the Lord, right? And, and, and you know, stand up for your faith. Uh, it's, that's okay. You should do that. And he's saying, you know, uh, if you get persecuted for it, I, I'm with you. I'll be there with you. I'll help you through it. Um, and so, again, doesn't it all kind of tie back to the fear of the Lord too? If I have the fear of the Lord, I care what the Lord says more uh, about me than what anybody else says about me, right? Now, again, I pointed out this. Um, n- none of us knows what we're going to do. We, we, we could try to imagine what we might do if we're in a position of persecution and put before our tribunal and, you know, whatever, asked to denounce the Lord or whatever, or we're going to behead you or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I, I keep coming back to Peter there. You know, he had a, he had a, he lost his nerve, right? I mean, I, I can identify that with that as a, as a human being, right? Now, if that happens, it doesn't mean that, you know, Peter's not a Christian, Okay. Because we know ultimately he didn't, he didn't really deny the Lord in his heart. He didn't deny the Lord in his heart. 
right? We just let the fear of man, you know, uh, dictate what was going on. So uh, we, we need to know our God is greater than all of those things, our failings. But at the same point, you know, just we should take this as a challenge. You know, are you tend you tend to be a people pleaser? Right? Some people don't tend to be people pleasers. They tend to be, you know, they're the ones that are very vocal, uh, you know, strong personality or whatever. I don't know how you might want to characterize it. But, 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 and so they don't care what anybody thinks. They've got other problems, right? They need to soften and learn to love, right? Um, but, but the thing is that if you tend to be a people pleaser, um, this is a challenge for us to realize, I need to fear the Lord more than men. I need to not, you know, and, and, and some of it's not even, think about it, some of this is in our lives when it comes to this fear of man, it has nothing to do with persecution. It's just that we, we're afraid of what other people think about us. Um, and uh, I, I just pray that we wouldn't be, you know, the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. You're not free when you're locked into the fear of man and what you care about what other people think, okay? And so if that's you, if you're just a, Really, if that's become a snare for you, I just pray that today the Lord would set you free of that and that the only thing you need to worry about is, is finding out what pleases God and doing that. That's the, that's the only thing you need to do. Okay, that Ultimately, find out what a pleasing life to God looks like by studying the Scriptures and by His power and His grace, uh, we live that out. That, that's what matters. Okay, uh, what, If somebody doesn't like you doing that, then... And then that's between them and the Lord. So, uh, so may the Lord set us free from the fear of man. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning um, and just asking for boldness that we would boldly confess Christ wherever we are. Lord, let us uh, help us to not shrink back from declaring the truth, declaring the truth in love out of concern for other people. And Lord, um, help us to be people that are, that are not trying to be someone that we're not. Help us to not, you know, cover up secret sins, but let us bring those things into the light with one another. Let's even think about in James where it says, you know, confess your sins to one another. And, and, and there's, a, there's a, really, Satan loves secrets. He loves us to hold on to secrets, secret sins. And so, Lord, help us to be... Um, involved in one another's lives, um, to, um, uh, to, to have that good balance of grace and truth with one another, knowing that we can be honest and, and share our struggles and look to one another for help and encouragement and strengthening uh, and resolve to keep pursuing righteousness. And, um, and Lord, we just, um, we just pray, God, that... Um, Pray for our brothers and sisters who, who are all around the world who, who are living in very hostile environments but who are genuine believers that who face persecution, threats of persecution every day. Lord, we pray for a strengthening of their spirit. Lord, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would, as your word says, give them the words to say. Lord, we pray, God, uh, you, you would protect and that you would be glorified by whatever happens. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.